Welcome to the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, we are working our way right through the divisional deep dives. Today we are in the NFC North. But as always, I like to start with a little news. And we have a couple of stories. I, I think it's going to get pretty uh, barren here for the next few weeks because the minicamp season is over and, you know, there's not going to be much going on. Let's face it, if anything goes on, it's probably not good because it's off-field news. Um, but Eric Decker to the Titans. We talked a little bit about his availability last week, and I don't think we mentioned the Titans. You like that fit? I do. I mean, I am a huge Corey Davis believer, and to me, mm-hmm. he was clearly the best receiver in this draft, and the only guy that I see eventually, you know, uh, you know, potentially turning into a true NFL number one. But he's still a rookie, and he, you know, he didn't work out, and he's coming from a small school, and Decker's consistently productive. You know, I mean, when he's on the field, he's a true NFL number two to me. But when he's on the field, man, he he gets in the end zone and he moves the chains and he can get deep, and maybe he has lost a little, but he's still awfully good. And you know, kind of like we talked about with Macklin, it's kind of a gift to have the quality of receivers on the market in Decker and Macklin in mid to late June. And I like Matthews, too. I mean, I think Matthews is a decent number, two, But now all of a sudden Matthews and everyone below him moves down a peg, and now you're talking. You know, you throw three receivers out there, Decker, Matthews, Davis, along with Delaney Walker and a, you know, a power running game and an improving quarterback, it's a pretty good offense. Yeah, I mean, that's how I look at the Decker thing is combined with Davis, and that's a pretty good offseason gift to Mariota, who's just getting better and obviously be getting better with more weapons. I mean, they gave him weapons. Yeah, and I think the other thing we didn't mention is my hunch is Decker, a veteran who's been on a couple teams, played with good and bad quarterbacks, will probably be very good for a very young wide receiver room, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, again, and this is a playoff contender. We talked about them a couple of weeks ago. And it's a late June pickup. I mean, not a lot to dislike, is there? Um, I have mixed feelings about them, but, you know, I, I like the Titans. I kind of I mean, like all the, like the, all the teams in that division the same, but I like the, 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 the way this team is going. This is yet another move to enhance that. And, and isn't his wife like a Nashville star or something? Like, I mean, he yeah. wants to come there, right? Right, right. That was, yeah, I think that was his only trip. So, yeah, I mean, my point was there's just not a whole lot to dislike about the pairing of Decker and Titans. Why not, right? Yeah, right, right, right. I totally agree on that. Yeah, cool. Let's stay in that division a little bit. I don't know if it's serious news, but anytime you have a franchise quarterback – who has a shoulder, who may keep him out of training camp. I, I think that's something we need to discuss. Um, that was kind of the minicamp news out of Indianapolis last week. Baron, excuse me, Andrew Luck. Um, it's a little nervous, I guess. I mean, wait and see. What, 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 what's your thought on that? I think all of us kind of operate the same way on these type of things. As, you know, the modern, most fans, I think, look at it this way, and I think most of us analysts that aren't close to teams look at it this way, that for much of the offseason, you're aware of the injury, but you just assume it'll get better, you know, because so many of them do. And then by this time of year, you hear, 
you know, a franchise quarterback isn't throwing and might not be ready for camp or, heaven forbid, might not be ready for the beginning of the season. You know, so it starts to be the first time of year when my ears really start to perk up that maybe this is something we should worry about, but it's still early. Right. But you're right because because there's, you know, so much off-season work, the fact, and, and, I mean, these guys are so diligent about getting ready as soon as possible. The fact in June they're thinking he may not be ready at the end of July, just a little bit of a red flag to me. Again, it's six weeks before the season to start a camp, but still it's just a little bit of a red flag when you're talking about a franchise quarterback. For sure, and especially one like him. I mean, without him, they're back to being the team that drafted him. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're right. as, as quarterback dependent as any in the league, give or take. I mean, and he's risen to a new level, and the whole thing's built around him, rightfully so, which is fine. Um, but without luck, imagine where that team's at. Right. Yeah, no kidding. Last well, bit of news I want to talk about before we get into the NFC North, and it's the news revolves around the NFC North team is, that the Lions picked up a couple of offensive linemen, uh, traded for Greg Robinson, and then signed Cyrus, and I'm not going to try his last name. I'm not good at last names that are challenging. This one's super challenging. But the former second-round pick that had some off-field issues, they, they signed, you know, they acquired these two guys on the same day. Um, you know, probably not expecting miracles here, but, I mean, they needed the help on the offensive line, didn't they? Well, I think the key is Decker's injury, you know, that he's another one that sounds like it's going to be bad, you know, that he's going to miss legitimate time, as well as Armstead in, in New Orleans. So there are some guys starting to pop up. But I want to go back two steps, but I think we were lucky. You know, there was no Teddy Bridgewater in minicamp situation this year. Or, you know, actually, he was in training camp, huh? But there was... There was no tragic news out of minicamp, but there was a couple little notes with guys like Decker and Armstead where it sounds like they're going to miss significant time. And Detroit you know, went out and spent huge money on two offensive linemen and are really dedicating themselves to getting better up front because um, the running game's really been suffering. They, they, they need to – see, I look at the Lions like this. That I think Stafford is a star in the making. I think his supporting cast is okay. Their running game has not been very good. But I think their defense is abysmal. And the way that they've tried to hide their defense is play slow, you know, can have a controlled passing game, even though that's not really who Stafford is. And, but if they could have a running game to do that and let Stafford be the up-tempo, do-it-all star quarterback – I think that would go a long way for the whole team. It would mask the defense a little bit. And Greg Robinson's got a ton of ability. I mean, none of us blamed the Rams for taking him second overall. Hasn't worked out, but maybe a change of scenery does him a world of good. Even the change of scenery for a guy who, I mean, just failed to do anything for four or five years, I mean... Is, is that a legit or is that just kind of a, a, a desperate, you know, grasp? But I, I know a lot of, you know. I think it's throwing darts and you're that. hoping. Uh, Al Davis was big on that. And it worked a certain thing with those guys. But, I mean, is it as simple as that, a change of, a change of scenery? Well, the situation in St. Louis slash L.A. was pretty terrible. And 
I think some of us were early to jump the gun that, you know, Robinson had this awesome combine and was a total freak and really impressive athletically. But, boy, the offense he came from at Auburn couldn't have been any more remedial. I mean, he had a lot of work to do in terms of pass protection. And and I'm not sure. I was anxious this year for the Rams when they signed Whitworth that maybe Robinson would, you know, jump his game up quite a bit at guard because he is a really big, powerful man, simplified things a little bit. But now I think he's going to get thrown in in Detroit back as a left tackle, and that's a tough gig. Yeah, I mean, definitely. But, hey, it's worthwhile for Detroit, certainly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And it's an opportunity for him, so why not, you know? Yeah, again, I think both parties should be happy. And he was making, right. you know, reasonably big money on his rookie contract, and they weren't going to, they didn't pick up the option. And... Right. Well, since we talked a little about Detroit, let, let, let's kind of stay on them a little bit. I like to, I like to start with a team that finished first, but you know, I mean, Detroit quietly made the playoffs last year, and they've made the playoffs two out of three years. And I mean, you know, as I kind of thinking about these shows coming up, my my thoughts on Detroit are just kind of kind of blah, you know. I don't think they really stand out. I mean, they they have some playmakers on defense, and they have a, a quarterback. I thought it was interesting. You said it's starting to make it in their quarterback. And this is a quarterback who's been in the league. This is going to be his, I believe, eighth season or ninth season, actually. That's a – but it, it – it, the light has come on for Matthew Stafford. I, I, think, I think he's been better than people think he is. Oh, I think he's a stud, and I don't think he could get the credit he deserves. He played the last month in the playoffs with a broken finger on his throwing hand. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. I think he's the whole team, and I think he's knocking on the door of that you know Luck Roethlisberger level to be the tier right behind Rodgers and Brady. Um, I look at Stafford, and I think when you draft a quarterback first overall. This is exactly what you want his career path to look like, you know, and then now he's starting to hit his stride. I think he's going to be, I don't want to say he's a Hall of Famer, but, I mean, I I think he could be on a Hall of Fame pace if he continues to get better and better as he has shown, especially since, you know, Cooter took over. And I don't think his supporting cast is all that great, and I do think he's one of these guys that puts the entire team on his shoulders as you would want from a first overall pick, and he's loaded with ability. Yep, and uh, you think they're you think they're well coached? Is Jim Caldwell maybe a little underrated because he's you know just kind of there and he doesn't have a big personality and he's quiet and he never makes any headlines? And I mean, he's done a decent job in Detroit. I guess. I mean, I don't have a lot negative to say or a lot positive to say about him, and maybe because that isn't he isn't. Because he isn't overly demonstrative in either you know a negative or positive fashion. I really think their defense is bad though, and it was bad last year. And they managed to get in. I mean, it wouldn't blow me away if they fell to a six and ten type of team, to no fault of Caldwell's or Stafford's or Cooter's. Um, I'm not enamored with the Lions at all. I mean, I feel like when we talk about this division. I might be higher on the Vikings and maybe the Bears than most analysts, and I think I'll probably be lower on the Lions. But it's not like I'm a, a, a like I have any issues with Caldwell. But 
you know, I could easily come up with 15 head coaches I'd pick ahead of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, they're just kind of a blah team. I like, I like the linebacker that they got, Jared Davis, um, mm-hmm. 21st pick from Florida. I mean, he could he can help them. And they got Slay and they got Anza. I mean, there are some pieces on defense. They got a couple guys. I think depth is a real problem. I think there's, you know, five starting spots that could be better. Um, I don't think that people realize just how bad they were on defense last year. I mean, I think they were in contention for worst defense in the league. I mean, I really thought they were that 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 low of, of level. And I, I, you know, the off season they they spent big money on offensive linemen, and they basically have kind of fixed that problem. And maybe they'll run the ball better to help their defense. But uh, I see a lot of liabilities there. I love Slay. I love Ansa. Ansa was coming off an injury and wasn't quite himself this past year. You mentioned Davis, and I think he can be an every-down quarterback, face-of-the-defense type of guy and the leader and a quality player and maybe a pro bowler as well. So that's great, but who are the two guys next to him? And defense tackles are just okay. And, you know, who's the other D-end opposite Ansa? And the rest of the secondary is ugh. Right. Right. And, and that's just kind of the Lions, I think. And Yeah. I mean, I don't look back as a D- 2016 Detroit Lions being this playoff-worthy team, but they made the playoffs, and maybe that's just a, an indictment of the NFL that, you know, the, those 9, 10, 12, 11, 12 playoff spots are probably teams, you know, sort of like Miami last year. Let's go to a team that made some noise in the playoffs last year, Green Bay Packers. Best team in the division, right? Yes, but I'm going to be higher on the Vikes than I think people are going to be expecting. Yeah. Do we do we keep picking the Packers and have ex- expectations with the Packers because they're the Packers? I mean, have they are they as talented as as maybe we? There's some holes on this team. I guess is my point. Yes. Um, my thoughts on them are. Quarterback aside, I think their roster is middle of the road. You know, it's not great. It's certainly not one of the worst. Um, they've, they had some holes last year without question. I mean, especially at corner. Some of that was injury-related. Um, they, they are a quality front office. We know they're not going to spend a lot in free agency. But they added Martellus Bennett, who's a heck of a player. You know, I mean, uh, so... They are aware of who they are, and I think they're a high-quality organization. I don't think they're quite at the level of New England, certainly, or maybe even a Seattle or a Pittsburgh or somebody like that in terms of you know level of organization. And I do think that Aaron Rodgers is also a wonderful, wonderful deodorant. <laughs> you know, that yeah. anything that goes wrong... You have a historically great player at the most important position, and the way he played during that winning streak to bring this team into you know contention and beat the Cowboys, and uh, you know that it, it makes a lot of problems go away. Right. I mean, but like as much as I like Jordy Nelson, I think he's slightly declining, but we won't know it. You know. Right. At this point, can we say the Packers are legit NFC title contender? Yes, and I think you can say that just about every year with Rodgers because right. he's that good. Upper level, though. 
just below. I mean, like, to me, if you look at the league, I think New England stands alone. If you look at the NFC, I certainly would put Atlanta over them, and I think I'd put Seattle over them. Most people would put Dallas over them. I'm not a believer in that. So I think they're a Tier 2 NFC team, but that's a playoff team all day long with a great quarterback and not a lot of holes right now and quality team and been there, done it, and sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if I told you the Vikings are going to win this division, you could buy it? I could buy it. Um, yeah. I, can't, I wouldn't buy that the Packers are going to be 7-9, and nine, though. You know, right. to go back to them. I mean, I think that they're, they're going to be in it. Unless Rodgers gets hurt, of course, and you can say that about right. every team. But, right. you know, I, I, I think they're probably a 9-10, and if things get really hot for him and the team in general and the defensive backfield a lot better, they're an 11 or 12 type win team. Um, but if they end up 9-7, and seven, I could certainly see the Vikes being 10-6. and six. Right. Right. But that, that Bennett signing was pretty dang good, wasn't it? Because the Packers basically sat there, waited for him a little bit, said, okay, yeah, we get crapped on for never doing anything. Bam. We just got the best tight end in free agency, and we paired him with, you know, an elite quarterback. Yes. And in that system, you know, going back to Jermichael Finley, the tight end is a very important part of the receiving game. You know, you see a lot of three-by-one sets with, you know, an athletic tight end as the one, three receivers to the open side, and that puts a bind on defenses. That's something they want to do a lot. And it's like the Giants. I mean, McAdoo came from Green Bay, and they use a first-round pick on Ingram. You know, they, they want a dynamic tight end, and they've been looking for it since Finley. Cook did it. You know, I know Cook's reputation, but he, he helped last year. I mean, they were a better team when he was out there for sure, and he was an upgrade over what they've been playing with. But now they've upgraded again, and not only is Bennett a good move guy, but he's 270 pounds, and you can put him in line and he can help the tackles. He can pound the rock when it's three degrees in the NFC Championship game, and he can be your, mm-hmm. you know, a power player for you. I mean, I, I could probably only come up with five tight ends in the league who are better football players than him. And I thought he played injured a high percentage of last year. Okay. Right. And I just I, I like the of Bennett because it kinda of just shows other players, hey, you know, we we will spend and and it's good for the Packers way up there, you know, in Green Bay and, you know, the whole it's good to have a player with some personality to show other players in the league, yeah, you know what, it's okay to come to Green Bay. I just liked I just thought it was good advertising too for the team. I just I like to fit. I, I think it's a it's a win win. Yeah, I mean I don't think. I mean you probably know better than I do, but I mean I know he's a, an odd character and he's outspoken, but I don't think he's a bad guy or you know I mean like no, I don't no, think he's no, going to no. cause waves yeah. in a, a negative way. Yeah, I mean it, all he's going to do is make a head coach roll his eyes a couple of times, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. And catch a lot of balls. And he's never actually he's a positive influence off the you know off the field. Okay, so, and he's a smart good. guy, and yeah, yeah. I just don't think we you know ever equate you know kind of goofy with the Packers. They're just so professional, and so it's good to get it's a little breath of fresh air for them to have this personality. And again, I think I'll show other players. Hey, it worked for him. Maybe I can go. 
Yeah, it's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way, but, I mean, he will be a story all during training camp and be a great quote. And right. uh, he, he really could be the missing piece in that offense, too. Can they run the ball enough? I mean, I mean, Montgomery did a nice job last year in a complete emergency situation. Now he's a full-time running back from a receiver. They drafted 1,800 running backs. I mean, are they going to be able to move the ball a little bit? Well, they also have been hit hard in, in with their offensive line the last two years. Right. I mean, they released Sitton. Treader's gone. Um What's his face? The other guard, I forget, Lang is gone. So, I mean, three high-quality interior offensive linemen have left in less than 365 days. I mean, Sitton was let go, you know, in camp. Um, They've prepared for it, and they have some quality guys there, but the depth isn't, you know, there. I really like the two running backs they drafted. Not the seventh rounder, I mean, but, but you know, the Williams um, and and what's his face, who I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but the, the second of Jones, Aaron Jones. And it wouldn't shock me if one of them actually unseated Ty Montgomery, or it wouldn't blow me away if Montgomery, you know, Nelson or Cobb gets hurt, and all of a sudden we get report that Montgomery's going back to wide receivers. You know, like that wouldn't blow those kind of things wouldn't blow me away. I think right. Montgomery's a good back, and he got better, but he's still very much a work in progress in protection and. Um, I mean, he's new to it. I mean, there was many times Aaron Rodgers chewing him out just because he didn't know what to do because it was new to him. But right. at least he has a whole off season. I still think he's a little more wide receiver than running back, and I think I'm in the minority there because he is a big, thick-built guy. He's not a scat back, Percy Harvin even, and then not that Harvin was skinny. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if Williams or Jones started to push him out a little bit, just as a more traditional. Four, you know, four, four yards in a cloud of dust and play action and throw deep off of that. But I think they'll be fine, you know, that's because of Rodgers and because there's qual- there is quality players on that side of the ball, I think they'll run the ball well enough and, you know, the, the offense will end up being the eighth best offense in the league or something. Right. And I, I like what they did in the draft on defense. They picked up some, some solid players and, I mean, that's always the question in Green Bay, isn't it? Defense. Yeah, and, and they have a tendency that when there's a big issue, we saw it a couple years ago in the secondary, they drafted back-to-back corners, and those guys both struggled. You know, Randall and, um, you know, those guys struggled when Rollins, they struggled quite a bit this past year, and that was a shocker to them. Um, so they went out and addressed it and draft corner safety again, and I, and I really like Clinton Dix and Burnett, and I think you'll see a lot of defensive backs on the field don't love their linebackers. I worry about Clay Matthews. Is he nearing the end? Uh, but they brought Perry back. And, again, I think the defense is going to be improved, especially the pass defense. That was really the issue last year. You know, they had Gunther on, what was it? It was three weeks in a row, I think, that Gunther had to line up in man coverage against Odell, Dez, and then Julio in the playoffs. And I was like, I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, right. it's a nice story, but that's he's not Deion Sanders. Um, so I do think they're better prepared. Capers does what he does on defense, and that's a lot of man coverage, and he wants a top corner against a top receiver, and you know Gunter wasn't able to do that. So you would hope somebody now can, um, and blitz from there. But, again, I, I, they're going to be better on offense than they are on defense. Right. Well, let's go with the Vikings. I think they're an interesting team as well. and I mean, they had a lot of stuff go against them last year. 
and they, they you know, and they started five and zero, and they they didn't make the playoffs, and, and that's a tough trick. Um, when eight and eight, you, this can be a ten win team, maybe. I think. Yeah. Um, not to cut the podcast short, but I, my take on the Vikings is a short one in that. I think they're really good on defense. You know, we saw that for most of the year. But to me, the huge, the, the overriding theme of this team that just killed them was the line, the offensive line. You know, that it got to the point where they maybe had the worst running game in the whole league, and they couldn't protect it all. So everything that came out of Bradford's hands was two yards, and the offense couldn't sustain drives, and the defense was on the field all the time and they couldn't keep up all the big plays they were making and big special teams plays they were making. It was just too much to, you know, you're not going to win games 10-7 with a defensive score every week, you know, I mean, and two picks. And it got to the point where the defense kind of wore out. But I think they're kind of fixed, you know, that you, you add Dalvin Cook, who I really like. And I don't like Murray, but, you know, he's still probably an upgrade over what they are playing with when once Peterson went down. I don't really love the two tackles they signed, but they're much better than T.J. Clemmings. And then they drafted interior line and get guys back healthier. And I like their receivers. And so if they can block from being the 32nd best blocking team to the to the 22nd, now you can execute offense. And the defense isn't out being asked to do so much that I just thought that the line was probably the worst in the league and got to the point where you just couldn't execute offense anymore, and I have to think it's going to be better off than that. In my mind, Latavius Murray is now a backup running back. Yes. It's going to be the Cook show, isn't it? I mean, He might be offensive rookie of the year. I mean, I think he'll run away with that job, and he might be offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, and he's really good, isn't he? Yes, but... He puts the ball on the ground a lot, and he isn't good in protection. I mean, those are, those are two huge red flags when you look at rookie running backs that could absolutely keep him off the field. I mean, even if he's clearly the best guy in that backfield, if he fumbles a couple times early and blows a few pass protections, he can't put him out there. Right. So, so it may not be instant success for him? I mean, I would hope be... between the day he got drafted and week one, He'll improve in those areas, and they're going to work with them, and they're a well-coached team. But if those two things rear their ugly head, that could derail them. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And so if, if, if the offense – so really the offensive line is the key to this whole thing. It was and last so. year because it was just so bad that – I, it doesn't to me. It almost it, it has to be better by default. I mean, is it going to be the thirty second best offensive line in the league next year? I would sure hope not. And if they could get to the you know middle of the pack, well, now Bradford can be Bradford, and you know we saw him early in the season playing really well. And I think Stephon Diggs is a star. I still have hope for Treadwell. Curious if Malcolm Floyd can resurrect his career. Thielen's a good player. Rudolph had a nice year. So. You know the the offense was so easy to play against; they couldn't block anybody. So I mean, I mean, they changed coordinators midseason and couldn't go downfield at all. And um, I gotta think those things are changing. 
And they're going to have better injury luck this year, you would think. I mean, they, I mean, mm-hmm. hell, the head coach went down with an injury. Um, they, they, were, they were so banged up. That, that's bound to be better. And I think you made a great point because that defense was really, is really, really good. They've used a lot of high draft picks on defensive players over the last few years, and it's really paid off, and it's a strong unit at all three levels. And they're a big reason why they were 5-0, and but because of the offensive problems, the defense got tired as the year went along. But if the offense, as you say, can be better, it's going to keep the defense more fresh. And that's yeah, such I a mean, strength. Even just a few more first downs a game. You know, I mean, yeah. a minute and a half more of – of time of possession and you know uh, one big play a game that Dalvin Cook breaks off a screen pass or something or Diggs gets deep or you know it, it, it's, a, it's a fine line and um, yeah I think that defense is very talented especially in the secondary and very well coached by Zimmer and they got some edge rushers and I don't think it was a real fluke that you know how good that defense showed us they can be and and you're you're a Bradford guy to a certain extent, right? You don't you don't see him as a negative. I think, right. I mean, I, I say this all the time about Bradford that let's put him up on stand, you know, in court, and I could be his prosecuting or defending attorney, and I could crush him or defend him extremely well. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. there's such a long list of things that you could say for and against this guy since he's come into the league. But I like him. I mean, I side on the I want Bradford, you know, side. I mean, or that he's an underrated player. I'd much rather have him than Teddy Bridgewater. He throws the ball really well. He's had an unbelievable set of circumstances since coming in the league that have hurt him and changing teams. But if you were great, would you be changing teams in the first place? <laughs> you know, I mean, right. it's it is he elevate those around him? I don't know, but. Boy, if things are right, I think he could be a massive breakout candidate. He's a kind of underrated tough, too, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, because he's missed so much time in his career, I don't think people consider him tough. But he played through a bevy of injuries this past year and got hit a ton. You know, I mean, because, you know, if you blow out an ACL or something, that doesn't mean you're not tough. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's interesting because I think he, we've talked about Jay Cutler a few times this offseason, and, and he had the bad body language, and nobody believed in him. But I think Bradford is the type of guy who, you know, former number one overall pick on his third team. But I don't think he gets his trash because he carries himself a little better, you know? Yeah, and there's a load of ability there. And I remember, like, when he came out of Oklahoma, one of the knocks on him was, he always has better players around him than the defense does. I mean, those Oklahoma teams were really good. But I think the opposite is true since he's been in the league, That, especially with the Rams. And even with Philly, I mean, that was such a different system. He's gone through all these different systems and all these different bad offensive lines. Rarely has the players he's played with been better than the defensive players. Right. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing, and I think Minnesota – it, you know, the hell, they were a team to watch last year. They blew it because they had a lot of things go against them. Get a little better luck, you can, maybe they elevate to a 11-win team. Yeah, and the last thing I wanted to mention about them is right after the draft, I did this big series of 
biggest remaining hole. You know, every team has something. Like you talk about the right. Cardinals, like, boy, they, their second corner is not very good. The Vikings right. were the hardest team in the league for me to come up with a remaining hole. And I called it the offensive line, but they drafted two interior guys I liked, and they signed two tackles, and they get two or three guys back from injury. So it's not like they just sat on their hands. Right, maybe an unanswered question for them. Right, and there's be a lot of new faces there, but it's got to be better. Like I said, I mean, yeah. it always comes back to the offensive line for this team for me. When you're the 32nd best offensive line, in my opinion, in 2016, it's just hard to win. I mean, it just affects the whole team. Right. One last thing with the Vikings. You said something interesting and just making a point about Bradford. But you said you'd much you'd rather have him much more than Bridgewater. That's a completely healthy Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, and I got some flack from this when when they made the trade because I said it then too that I've never been the biggest Bridgewater believer, but I will say he was playing the best of his career last preseason, and he looked like he was getting better, and all reports were positive. But when they made the trade for Bradford, I told Vikings fans, and I wrote a big article about it, that you just improved at the quarterback position. And nobody wanted to hear it. But I thought last year proved me right, especially early in the year whenever they could execute offense. And maybe part of it's because I'm a little bit of a Bradford apologist. I mean, there's, that's certainly true. I'm sure people are out there going, Williamson, you're way too high on Bradford. This guy stinks. And I'm probably a little lower on Bridgewater than most. You know, he's not my style of quarterback. And... I prefer the big-arm guy that can make all the throws, and that's certainly more Bradford than Bridgewater. But to me, I would clearly take Bradford over Bridgewater if I'm picking him up right now and Bridgewater's 100% healthy. I have thought about that, so I think it's interesting because, I mean, the storyline is, okay, is Teddy going to you know, improve health-wise and get better? But you're saying hey, they might be in better shape anyway. I think they are, and yeah. they didn't pick up his option. Uh, I would imagine he goes somewhere else next yeah. year and yeah. gives it another shot. Uh, last team let's talk about is the Bears. I, I just don't see much there. I, I, I see this team destined to win three or four games and blow up the front office and, and coaching staff. Do you see any a glimmer of hope? A little more than that, but I still think they're a bottom feeder for sure. Here's my positives with the Bears, is football outsiders every year does a metric of who was hit hardest by injuries. You know, adjusted games lost, I think they call it. And the Bears were the team that was hit hardest by injuries last year. So generally speaking, those teams come back to the mean a little bit. You know, the chances are you're not going to be the most injured team in the league two years in a row, or you're going to be, you know. So that's a positive. I think they've done a very good job. And they're not all big-name guys, but I think they've built a quality front seven on defense. You know, guys like Leonard Floyd and McPhee and Knicks and the two inside linebackers. I think they have a good front seven. I also think they have a very good interior offensive line. You know, we mentioned T.J. Lang earlier in the podcast. Long is the other guard. Whitehair is a really good center. And I think Jordan Howard's a foundation running back. I mean, he's not C.Q. Elliott, but I think he's a foundation running back, and he's going to have to be. So that's basically half of their team that I said positive things about, but then there's the other half. Right. Right. So, I mean, this team, 
maybe a fast turnaround because there is some talent there. And I mean, it all depends on the quarterback, right? Yeah, and it also kind of all depends on the the wide receivers too. You know, yeah. uh, let's say Kevin White looks like the fourth or fifth overall pick, whatever he was. That would go so far because I like Meredith, and I didn't understand why he'd move on from Jeffrey if you're going to be so young at the quarterback position. But if he's throwing to Kendall Wright and Marcus Wheaton and Zach Miller all year, all of a sudden the running game's going to dry up, and it's going to be a really difficult climb for Trubisky or Glennon. Um, it'll be interesting how they handle the quarterback situation because I didn't kill them for going out and signing Glennon. I like Glennon, but I'm not a Trubisky guy, so I didn't like that move. Um, and I think he very much needs a year at least. You know, how will they handle that? Because I don't think it's like Kansas City when Kansas City. You know, at week eight when Kansas City's six and two, nobody's going to be yelling for Mahomes. But at week right. eight when the Bears are two and six. We got to see Trubisky, and it might look like Goff in that last year. Right, because he's not ready. Maybe even a little worse than Goff. Because do you, do you like right. who? Who would you rather have starting your team right now, Goff or Trubisky? Who? I don't know. Um, yeah. See, I'm optimistic for Goff going forward. I would at least like to see some NFL snaps from Trubisky before I could say that. Right. But Goff was dreadful last year, and I don't yeah. even fault him, but he was horrible last year. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. If you were – so you went Glennon. You're okay with him signing him? Yes. You know, they gave him a lot. Um, I thought they would take the approach of – Draft Glenn, or you know, sign Glennon the big money. Draft Jamal Adams, complete the defense. Use your second round pick on Kaiser. Then I like it a lot more. And, you know, this approach is bizarre, but you threw two big assets at trying to fix your quarterback situation. So I can't blame a team too much to aggressively try to fix their quarterback situation. But, again, I don't love Trubisky, and I think Glennon, Glennon might be – I think Glennon's better than the Derek Andersons of the world. I mean, I'm thinking of big, strong-arm pocket passer types. I mean, I think he could be an NFL starter, the 22nd, 23rd best quarterback in the league type of guy. I mean, I think he's better than Nick Foles or those type guys that are backups. But we don't know. I mean, we haven't seen much in a while. And it wouldn't shock me if he's competent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you talk, I I would feel so much better for the Bears if they did have Jamal Adams and Kaiser instead of right. Trubisky, and you know, and and the trade results. I, I just I just thought this was a little they overthought it or underthought it. I just didn't like that approach. I don't either. And again, if we're doing this podcast five years from now, and Trubisky's in the Pro Bowl. We'll never bring it up, you know, and right. we'll just say good work by the Bears, and it was worth it, of course. But I just wish I liked the play. I mean, it always comes down to me with him is I just wish I liked the player more. Right. I mean, to me, he is not the second overall pick in, in any draft class. Right. Yeah. Really, really bizarre. But anyways, well, good. So we're still we're thinking that maybe in December this could be a – 
a really interesting Packer Viking chase, perhaps? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I kind of look at it this way that the Packers are who they are, they're going to be good. The Vikings are probably being slept on a little bit and are better than people think because their line has to be better. The Lions aren't the playoff team, even though they went last year, and I think they're going to take a step back. And if things go well for the Bears, they might be 6-10. and ten. Right. Boy, I, yeah, you, you like those Bears better than I do. And they might also I, I have the first think, pick in the draft. I think the Packers I mean, they could. are going to get fat off the Bears, and, and we might see them both you know, be double-digit teams. But I think the Bears are better than the Jets and Niners of the world. Brown. But that's not saying a whole heck of a lot. Right, right. So they're, number, they're the 30th best team in the NFL. Yeah, maybe they're better than the Browns still. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, yeah. I mean they're a bottom five team if I, do a, if I do a power rank, so they have to be in the bottom five somewhere. Right. So well, I'm not that optimistic that about Well, enjoy that World Series win, Chicago. What's that? I said enjoy that World Series win last year because the football's not going to help you out this fall. No, I don't think so. <laughs> But All right, man. Well, great show next week. We'll hit, the, about. we'll hit the NFC South next week. And I'm going to say a lot of good things about that division. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. There's some, there's some things to like for sure. But hey, thanks, man. Great week. We'll talk to you uh, next week. Thanks for listening to No Relation NFL Podcast, everybody. We'll see you.